Listening to Disrupt Development Storycast on Young Voices for Development in collaboration with Rappout University. In this series, we amplify the voices of young professionals who are following the Advanced Master for International Development at Rappout University. Hello, everyone. Hello, dear listeners. Um, welcome to this Disrupt Development Storycast. My name is Felix Grussmann, and I'm here today with Shelby Demmerer and Robin Forel. Who these people are, we will find out in a moment. But just as a little preview about what we're going to talk about this episode, um, today we talk about uh, yeah, recent developments in the field of multilateral negotiations from the perspective, yeah, of the generation of the new uh, negotiators. Shelby and me, which are hosting this podcast today, are part of the Advanced Master in International Development, which is uh, organized by Radbau University Nijmegen. And um, yeah, we will talk a little bit about what we um, had in a lecture, which was basically about, we had a negotiation training by the Klingendal Institute, in which we learned like yeah the best practices and theories in negotiation and we thought today we would actually like to have the voice of a real professional and um, this is why um, Shelby and me invited uh, Robin de Vogel who is the first secretary at the permanent mission of the Kingdom of the Netherlands to the United Nations in New York and um, she will tell us a little bit about her negotiation experiences and um, what she thinks is important to be a young negotiator. So, Shelby, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how you got um, together with um, Robin and uh, why she's such an interesting person to talk to today? Yes, thank you for this great uh, introduction, Felix. Um, and as uh, Felix already indicated, we will mostly focus on the negotiation process, but are also curious about Robin's personal experiences. Um, I work with Robin at the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs and recent negotiation related insights she shared during one of our meetings really sparked my interest. Um, I'm thrilled and grateful that you made time in your busy schedule to join us today, Robin. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Robin, indeed. And since I and the audience actually don't know you, we would be interested like, yeah, who are you? What is your role at the moment? And also, what is your experience uh, with neg negotiations so far? Yeah, thank you so much, Felix, and thank you, Shelby. Um, thank you for having me in your podcast uh, today. My name is indeed uh, Robin de Vogel, and uh, thank you, Felix, for introducing me as a real professional. I hope to be able to live up to that expectation today. Um, now, I, I work at the uh, permanent representation of the Kingdom of the Netherlands to the United Nations, as you mentioned. Um, and what I do there is I focus on gender-related issues. This means that I would represent uh, the Kingdom of the Netherlands during multilateral negotiations about women's rights and about gender issues. So speaking about my negotiation experience, uh, recently I worked quite intensively on the UN's Women's Rights Commission, which is called the Commission on the Status of Women. And this is an annual event uh, where UN member states adopt an outcome document. That, of course, also has to be negotiated uh, between delegates. 
And the negotiations around this document were virtual and they took around five weeks. Also, in my previous position in The Hague, I gained a bit of negotiation experience in real life in the Asia Europe meeting. Um, and I'd be happy to share some of my own experiences in that regard. Yes, uh, thank you, um, Robin. And let's yeah get right into it because uh, Felix and I had uh, mock negotiations during the Klingendal lecture we had for Amit. Um, and it was advised to pay attention to the different negotiation phases. So I'll quickly list them. You have the preparation, uh, rules and procedures, the exploration phase, bargaining, decision-making, the constituency check, and implementation. Um, are you aware of these phases? And uh, do you find one or more particularly relevant in practice? Yeah, that's actually, I think, a really important point that you bring up, the different phases in, in negotiating. And I believe that uh, one phase that really isn't to be underestimated is the preparation part. Ideally, if you have the time, you start with this phase before you come to the negotiation table. And it's really crucial in general uh, in negotiations that you do your homework and know what you want to achieve. So this holds true when you're talking about a new emerging topic, but especially when you're negotiating a resolution or a statement that is issued annually or has a basis in previous language, you should really know the history that comes with the text. So, for example, in the context of the Commission on the Status of Women that I worked on, the outcome document is adopted every year. And this means that there's a whole body of agreed language that you can work with or fall back on. So prior to entering the negotiations, it's really useful to know for yourself, A, what would you like to see or add to the text? And B, what is your end game? Realistically, given the actors that are around the table, what can you achieve and what are your bottom lines? And to determine the second point, I think it's crucial to know what language has been agreed to. And in a way, when you're talking about agreed language, I think it's the same as talking about years of wine. You can have really good years with very progressive language, and you may have some years where it was more difficult to come to a compromise or to a solution. So you want to make sure that you're taking your language from a good year. So that's why I think preparation is very important. Um, you know, know your landing zones, understand that if you start tinkering with the text, it has consequences. This will help you uh, at the very least not to go below anything that has been agreed to. Um, and ideally, it will also help you focus on what's really important and not to get carried away by things that are not so important to you. Okay, thank you, Robin. That's actually very interesting to hear also because one might consider the preparation stage to be um, simply preparing, but actually um, it's a very important uh, step before being able to go to the other phases of the negotiation. Um, and that's also something I would like you to elaborate upon because um, an interesting thing that I discovered was that, uh, that during the mock negotiations, I mixed two, accidentally mixed two phases with each other, well, I, my entire group, because we mixed the exploring phase with the bargaining phase. And that basically meant that uh, we kept haggling over single issues rather than first properly exploring all issues, which is explore the exploration phase, and then um, try to come to constructive compromises. So um, 
How much attention do you pay to these phases uh, before or during the negotiation? Yeah, I think speaking to this point about paying attention to not mixing all the phases, um, I think during the negotiations, it's really good to realize that following a logical order of things is good and can be useful, but it may not actually be in the benefit of everyone. So certain actors, even if you want to follow the order of these phases, they may choose to bring up their end game and red lines already in the very first meeting. And the risk is indeed that you enter the substance and that you get stuck in an argument before you even have a good overview of what's at stake or before you manage to run through the text. I think there's a few things that you can do, even if I don't think there's one good answer to that. But you could, for instance, spark the difficult issues to say that there's no consensus in the room and that you want to come back to it later. Second thing you could do is emphasize that you need to look at the bigger picture to see the balance in the text. And the third thing you can do is to try to close uncontroversial um, paragraphs and to see what you're left with so that you really have the most important issues left and can try to find a compromise on that. Um, you know, having said that, I think strictly following these phases will continue to be very difficult. And in that sense, uh, Shelby, I think the mock negotiations you described in a way sound very, very realistic to me. Wow. So many things to learn already from what you say. Talking for myself can already take a lot um, from this, what you're saying. But then I'm also wondering sometimes, considering that negotiations, international negotiations, diplomacy and everything is such an old profession. And People do it like since ages, but it always happens in a certain kind of context Context that is constantly changing. Um, how would you kind of then see uh, what is currently really big in, in changing the landscape of negotiations and how negotiations take place? Do you have any insights on that? Yeah, I think clearly the switch from real life negotiations to virtual negotiations is a very big one. Um, at the United Nations, uh, most negotiations are still conducted virtually because of COVID. So you will actually see all delegates calling in from, you know, if, if lucky, maybe the office, but more regularly their own home or living room. And this, of course, impacts the negotiations in various ways. I think the contact that you have normally outside of the virtual negotiation room Yeah, it goes without saying that that's very different. You will simply not run into your colleagues at the coffee machine, uh, nor will you see physically maybe two or more delegates going out of the room together to discuss something. Sorry if I can interrupt you there. So you're basically saying that um, negotiations also actually take place a lot outside of the actual negotiation table. And this is what kind of missing now? Yeah, so I think there's an informal um, sphere around the negotiation room where you are able to quickly talk to another delegate to see how they view what's going on in the room. Maybe there's breakout rooms where certain regional groups are determining their position. So this is definitely something that happens in um, physical negotiations. Mm -hmm. And I I, I think, yeah, in some other ways, the, the negotiations are also different now than they were before. It's just more difficult generally to get a grip on how your colleagues are, are feeling, what they're 
thinking and what's happening behind the scenes. Um, it goes without saying, but of course you cannot really grasp someone's body language, especially when people have their cameras switched off. And towards the end of the negotiations, it also may be easier to walk away from a computer screen or a telephone um, than to walk away from a room full of people that may be challenging your position. This also impacts the negotiations. And I think also coming back to your question, Felix, tips that I would have uh, related to the different context is um, first, as simple as it may sound, start a chat or a signal group to still have that contact outside of the negotiation room to maybe coordinate in real life uh, or in real time, sorry, um, your position. Use breaks to check in with a colleague or a smaller group of colleagues over the video or phone to get a view of their thinking. And in real life negotiations, you know, you do outreach. Try to be creative in virtual negotiations to do outreach to maybe a colleague that knows the actor that you need um, to to reach out to them and think about that creatively. Okay, wow, yeah. So that sounds really indeed something that the next generation, the new generation of negotiators brings with it. It's kind of like, yeah, more um skill to actually use all this digital means to yeah add a new flavor a new aspect to negotiations that maybe older generations didn't have uh, shelby what's what's your idea on that yeah i think these are definitely um interesting uh it's interesting advice especially now that you might wonder um what changed because of covid and how you can uh, approach this in the best way And, and that's why I was also wondering, because is there then advice from um, people who have been working in the field for a longer period of time that became obsolete? Because it, yeah, it doesn't make sense anymore in this digital world. So maybe uh, your peers have given you, well, peers, um, people. Seniors. <laughs> seniors, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Felix. Maybe seniors have been giving you advice about, you know, how to approach negotiation. But in the end, this advice doesn't work anymore because of the digital space. Do you have um, something to say about this? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. And what I've noticed myself is over the past months as well is I've gotten advice from a lot of different colleagues who have worked in different contexts with negotiations. And one thing that stood out to me was the diversity of their advice. So if this sort of teaches me one thing, I of course, it's important to take in all their advice. Um, and I always find it very interesting. At the same time, there's not one advice or one reality. So whenever people start their advice with, you should always do this or you should never do that, I think especially in the virtual context, ask yourself the question, is that really still true? And think creatively try to be agile in how you can position yourself in, in these negotiations. So maybe not one piece of advice that stands out, but, you know, try and, and dare to actually challenge uh, the advice that you get. Yes, thank you. Because I was actually also um, wondering if we should rethink how negotiation processes take place. But I think you've kind of already given me an answer to that because you're saying that we should always question how, how everything takes place. Is there something you would like to um, add on to that? 
No, actually, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that from the experience that I have, which is, of course, limited, but um, that not one negotiation room is is the same. So definitely do not try to come up with one blueprint for all negotiations, but try to yeah retain your flexibility. Wow. Yeah, so much to take away from this um, uh, little story cast that we had here today. Um, but I'm kind of hungry for more. And I'm wondering if you would have like one takeaway or like one lesson that you would uh, like to give to a person that is really a young professional and is now putting on the spot to also contribute in the first negotiation rounds. Is this something that you could really advise them to become effective young negotiators uh, in the modern age? Yeah, I mean, so many different pieces of advice, but I think the, the most important one for me would be, um, you know, stay true to your own personality, especially when it comes to communication styles. This is something that has been analyzed and probably overanalyzed in multilateral negotiations. And I think everybody has their natural styles, you know, ways to communicate that come more naturally to you. Sometimes there can be a tendency to strengthen your, your weaknesses and to really invest in what is not natural to you. I think it's important to invest in self-development, but also, you know, work with the strengths that you have in negotiations. I think it will become evident if you are not a very confronting person, but you try to overscream yourself, you will be less credible and maybe um, less genuine. So try to use the communication styles that you feel comfortable with to still achieve the goals that you want to achieve. That would be my advice. Yeah, sounds like some advising in my advice. Stay true to yourself and also in a way, yeah, pick the battles that you're in and um, find yourself a context and situations that you can actually really shine and maybe then coordinate with other people via WhatsApp group or during the breaks to take over a certain phase of the um, negotiation. As such, I want to say thank you and hope that our listeners had as much joy and uh, new insights about negotiations and that they can take some lessons to uh, yeah, bring to their own professional life as uh, young negotiators. Thank you so much, Robin. Thank you so much, uh, Shelby. Yeah, and thank you for listening. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you, Felix. Thank you. <laughs> Do you also have a story to share? Or are you interested in more content from Disrupt Development? Subscribe to our podcast and visit disruptdevelopment.org.